Hello, kitchen nerds, and welcome to Blender Kitchen. I'm your host, Nicole, and I would like to invite you to join me on a culinary historical adventure. In this podcast, we like to explore different foods, different recipes, different food types, and kind of see, like, how did we get here from where it started? So, buckle in. It's going to be a wild ride. Happy, happy, happy November, kitchen nerds. Um, November is my favorite month for several reasons. It's my birthday. <laughs> um, but also it has one of my favorite holidays, which is Thanksgiving. So the entirety of this month, we're really going to be focusing on Thanksgiving-esque um, food items and recipes. And this week, we've got cranberries up. Um, I really wasn't sure what to expect when I started doing the research for cranberries. I didn't really know how much was out there, and it turns out not that much, so today's going to be a little bit of a shorter episode, but, um, super interesting, honestly. Let's dive in. So, cranberries are in the Heather family. Other fruits in the Heather family are bilberries, blueberries, huckleberries, and blackberries. Um, they're super high in pectin, which is perfect for making jams and jellies. And that's why when you purchase canned cranberry sauce, it maintains its shape as it comes out the can. Um, there are three to four species of cranberry worldwide, but there are two main ones. Vaccinium oxycoccos, which is the European cranberry, not to be confused with European cranberry, which is a different fruit altogether. Um, this um, species of cranberry, Vaccinium oxycoccos, grows in Central and Northern Europe. Um, but the cranberry we're going to really be focusing on is Vaccinium macrocarpon, which is the North American cranberry. And this grows throughout the northern United States, um, Canada, and Chile. I was kind of surprised to find it in Chile, but I guess it makes sense once you learn about how they grow. Um, fun fact, cranberries are one of three native berries in the United States. They grow in acidic bogs in cooler regions um, and are can be found wild from the mountains of Georgia all the way up to the Canadian Maritimes. Um, they're grown all over the United States, but in their quote-unquote wild and natural state, I guess you could say it's the northern eastern seaboard. Um, cranberries are bee pollinated and this is because the pollen is too heavy to be carried on the wind. So if you needed yet another reason to save our honeybees, delicious cranberry sauce on your Thanksgiving plate is another one. So cranberries are actually low creeping shrubs with slender wiry stems and small evergreen leaves. Um, when they blossom, the 
flowers are dark pink with reflexed petals. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what reflexed petals means, but it just basically just means it looks like the petals come out and grow back in onto themselves. So they kind of curl inward. Um, the, this fruit, the cranberry blossoms from May to June. When the berry grows, it's larger than the leaves of the plants. It's light green when unripe and turns red when it's ripe. And they typically ripen around late September or early October, which is when the harvest would take place. Now, where did we get this word cranberry from? Um, it turns out not that many places, but um, there's a significant distinction between the two. So in Europe, Cranberry is often referred to as the fenberry, especially in um, the United Kingdom, because that kind of berry is found in the fens of England. Fens is the British word for marshland. Um, marshland being a bog. So it uh, makes sense that you would find them there. Um, the Native American word for cranberry is um, I really tried with this pronunciation, so if anyone has any tips, please DM me on Instagram. I would love to be able to better pronounce it. And um, this word, Sasamanesh, um, comes from the Narangadset language um, of the Algonquin nation. But we don't call cranberry sinash minash. Mm, let me try again. Sinash min, I'm really sorry, guys. Um, the word that we use for this fruit, cranberry, comes from the German, um, cranberry, meaning cranberry, because the early... Europeans thought that the fruit of the cranberry looked like the head of a crane, um, which was later, it morphed into cranberry in American English. So, as we said before, we're really going to focus on the American cranberry. I couldn't find a super ton of information on the European cranberry. Um, based on the fact that the early recipes for cranberry sauce were actually not for cranberry sauce. They were adapted from European recipes for currant sauce. So um, extrapolating, um, I believe that while there is while there are cranberries native to Europe, they weren't widely eat eaten. They were mostly left, you know, as wild berries are and currants were preferred. So most of our history refers to the American cranberry and the cultivation of the American cranberry. So cranberries grow naturally all along the eastern seaboard, as we noted, especially Massachusetts. Now, in this is important because the Algonquin nations um, cultivated cranberries um, to tribes that come to prominence are the Narangan Set peoples, 
Um, they cultivated cranberries and used them in daily life. It was a key ingredient in pemmican, which was and is a mix of tallow or fat, dried meat or jerky, and dried cranberries. This was called portable soup by the colonists. Um, the Narangan set people also used cranberries as a clothing dyed. The Wampanoag people of the Algonquin Nation also um, cultivated cranberries. In fact, they cultivated cranberries for about 12,000 years before the colonists ever arrived. Um, they used the cranberries in vast facets of daily life. Um, most notably, traditional healing ceremonies and in making nisampe, um, or a type of cranberry grits. I couldn't really find a lot of information on how to prepare cranberry grits. I would have loved for that to be the recipe this week. So if anyone knows how to prepare this dish, please let me know. Um, honestly, it sounds fantastic. I love cranberries um, and I love porridge. And I'm really hoping that it's closer to cranberry porridge. Um, the pilgrims or the early European colonists were most likely introduced to cranberries by the Nongrenset people. Um, and the pilgrims took to cranberries like a fish takes to water. They loved them so much that they paid their taxes to Europe in cranberries. Um, cranberries were mentioned throughout um, literature of that time, and they were notated in Roger Williams's A Key into the Language of America in 1643. This was a guide to the languages of the Algonquin Nation, um, and kind of served as like, uh, when you come to, like, a welcome to America guide, I guess. However, he referred to cranberries as bear berries because he observed bears eating them. Um, the pilgrims also used them as a figure in sermons. I wasn't able to find a particular sermon that used them as a figure, um, but I would really love to know what kind of analogy was drawn between religion and cranberries. Um, there was a ton of recipes involving cranberries. One of the earliest cranberry sauces um, can be found in a 1667 Pilgrim cookbook. Um, and the Complete Cook's Guide had a recipe for cranberry juice as early as 1683. By 1900, there were 21,500 acres of cranberries being cultivated in New England. Which takes us into the modern day. But before then, a silly fact that doesn't really fit in with any of our categories of research. Cranberries bounce when you drop them. Um, I'm going to try and find a cute little video of that because that is hilarious to me. Um, I don't know why, I just find it, <laughs> find it really funny. So, historically, cranberries were cultivated in wetlands. Today, we've recreated those um, situations or, or criteria by constructing cranberry beds in upland areas with 
a shallow water table. Um, irrigation is installed into the beds in order to keep the ground moist. Sorry guys, it's going to come up often as we discuss the cultivation of cranberries today. Um, there is this idea that cranberries are grown in flooded bogs, but is not so. The beds are only flooded during the harvest and they can be flooded with up to 18 inches of water. Um, in Wisconsin, New England, and Eastern Canada, these flooded beds tend to freeze to ice, which is perfect for um, the winter and for spreading sand because of this neat little pest control trick. So once the beds freeze over, trucks are driven down the centers of them to spread a thin layer of sand, and this is done every three to four years. This sand controls pests and helps rejuvenate the beds. Now, why on earth would we think of driving trucks onto frozen beds and spreading sand? Like, where did we come up with this? Um, Captain Henry Hill first observed the effect of sand on controlling pests in cranberry beds entirely by accident. He had a crop of cranberries and they froze over in the winter and then some sand blew in from the beach and he noticed that the cranberries did a lot better. So he dug up all of his cranberry beds, uh, cranberry vines, dug new beds, replanted the vines, covered them in sand, a layer of sand, and um, found that it was the best way for him to grow cranberries. And this process of sanding the beds spread rather quickly to the point where today it's kind of uh, de rigueur to do. Um, if I'm using that French phrase incorrectly, please do enlighten me because we all know that my French is terrible. Moving on. Um, as of 2014, there were 40,500 acres being cultivated. So literally twice the number of acres, um, as was being cultivated in the 1900s. Wisconsin, oddly enough, is the largest producer of cranberries in America, um, and they're such fans that they actually have a cranberry highway, which is 50 miles long, and along it you can find your usual tourist traps of fresh cranberries and cranberry products and cranberry museums. Um, I would love to visit this, actually. I kind of love stuff like that. Massachusetts is the second largest producer of cranberries in the United States. Cranberries are subject to two specific things that can prevent a good crop from growing. The first is the red leaf spot, which is a fungus. Um, it's called the red leaf spot because when the fungus grows, it grows in a circular pattern and turns that leaf red. Fairly straightforward. Um, the second is the cranberry blossom worm. This sounds beautiful, but does horrible damage to the cranberry. It burrows into the blossom and feeds on it. And since it's eaten out the heart of the blossom, there's no fruit that can grow because fruit typically grows out of the heart of a blossom. So when the blossom comes to mature, it just falls off 
and dies. And you don't have any cranberries that grow from it. Which is really unfortunate. Um, fortunately, spreading sand tends to keep fungus and pests out of cranberry beds. I, if you, like I, thought cranberries and immediately thought, oh, like, that's such a healthy food to have, you would not be wrong. Cranberries do have a lot of health benefits. We're only going to get into a very little bit of them, and I refer you to our favorite podcast for medical food history, Sawbones. Episode 163 covers some of the health benefits of cranberries. Cranberries are high in vitamin C and therefore were a great way of fighting scurvy. They're also a good source of fiber and magnesium, um, which fiber is very, dietary fiber um, specifically, great to help keep you regular, like raisins or really stout wheat bread. Raw cranberries are 87% water, 12% carbs, and contain 46 calories. So for those who are being very conscious of their macronutrients, cranberries are great. Also your micronutrients. Because they're only 46 calories. Anyway, um, there is this idea that cranberries can be used as a prevention for urinary tract infections. A 2012 study, uh, 2012 study in the United States found that there was no evidence that cranberry products prevent UTIs. However, a 2017 United States study found that it may prevent UTIs in people who are prone to frequent UTIs. Um, as of 2012, a European Food Safety Authority determined that there were no cause and effect relationship between cranberries and urinary tract infections. So basically, that cranberries don't prevent urinary tract infections, or that there wasn't enough evidence to prove that cranberries prevent urinary tract infections. That said, um, a lot of people like to knock on um, the power of positive thinking and the placebo effect, but quite honestly, and this is not to say like, if you think hard enough, you will be healed, but your mood does play a huge part on your body's ability. I think I am by, I am a doctor, but not a medical one. <laughs> um, I think that your mindset plays a huge part in your body's ability to recover. Um, and this can be seen, you know, like it's why patients with depression and anxiety are often um, referred to f general physicians to receive physicals just to make sure that, you know, you haven't let go of your health. Um, because if you have a low mood, it is increasingly appealing to stop taking care of yourself which makes you feel worse because you feel terrible or you know sometimes poor having a poor health condition can cause you to feel down which leads you to take less care of yourself which leads you to feel worse you see the vicious cycle here um so if you feel like by intaking cranberry products you feel healthier then you may be uh, 
a little happier and therefore more inclined to do other things that will help you take care of your health. And that has been your little mental health factoid of the day. Again, I am not a medical doctor, but I am someone who does suffer from anxiety and depression. Moving on. Um, cranberries are high in phytochemicals, and this is their phytochemicals are currently being studied for uh, their effect on the cardiovascular system. And that's all we have for history, my friends. Today's recipe is kind of odd. It's not our usual kind. Um, it's actually two recipes. And I present them as a way for my dear listeners, you wonderful kitchen nerds, to get in the kitchen and experiment. You know, um, keeping your hands busy is important, especially in these strange pandemic times. And these recipes honestly are so forgiving and call for a lot of experimentation and I think by combining them if you feel so inclined you may be able to reproduce a cranberry sauce like one eaten by the pilgrims. Our first recipe comes from Mrs. Ellis's Housekeeping Made Easy, which honestly is a fantastic read, even if you're not looking to cook anything out of it. And the link to um, the PDF for this book, because it is in the public domain, can be found on blunderkitchen.com. This recipe is for red currant jelly. Strip the currants, put them in jars or pans, and bake them. Strain off the juice through a sieve, having low sugar pounded and dried in the proportion of one pound to one pint of juice. Set the juice over the, over the fire, and when boiling, throw in the sugar gradually, stirring the whole time. This must be done quickly, for by the time all the sugar is stirred in, the juice will be ready to jelly, and if left too long over the fire, the jelly will become candied. Pour into small sized jars. By this method, the jelly will be perfectly clear without skimming, which saves waste and trouble. A few caveats. Um, I can't quite remember if we discussed this last episode in candy, but sugar used to be sold as a loaf. You would like cut off the parts that you wanted and like pound it out and make it crystallized. Um, just straight up regular old sugar as it comes is a good substitute. Um, this recipe doesn't say how many curtains to use. Um, I guess just however many you were able to pick. I would say um, start off with a pound and go from there. At the end bit that says the jelly will be perfectly clear without skimming. Um, basically means all the seeds and the skin and the gross stuff that you don't want in your jelly it's going to float to the top and so when it sets you'll be able to just cut off that bit and discard it if you so choose but if you don't want to discard it it does make an excellent compote let's get into our second recipe for this week 
This recipe comes from the AA Cookbook. And like Mrs. Ellis's Housekeeping Made Easy, a link to the PDF for this cookbook, which is also in the public domain because it's from the early 1600s, um, can be found on blenderkitchen.com. This recipe is for cranberry sauce. One quart cranberries, one cup of boiling water, and one pint sugar. Put the cranberries in water in a porcelain kettle and boil for 20 minutes. Add the sugar and cook 10 minutes longer. When done, turn into a mold. Um, a few caveats for this recipe. A porcelain kettle can be um, a Dutch oven or quite honestly just any pot that you have that lends itself to long slow boiling. Um, you can put it in just small jars as the current jelly recipe calls for uh, and allow it to set. Um, pro tip when you're canning um, you don't want to put the hot result in the fridge so you do want to put the lids on but leave the jars out um, on the counter to cool down to room temperature before you refrigerate them. If you do make a recipe um, or any combination of these recipes, please do shoot us a direct message on Instagram at Blunder Kitchen. We would love to highlight you and um, let the whole world know about your creative kitchen genius. Thanks so much for listening. Um, honestly, I do the show because I love it and I love presenting the information, but having you guys listen and join in is honestly one of the best parts of doing it. Um, if you want to drop ideas for a new show uh, or a topic that you want to hear, head on over to our Instagram and hit us up uh, in our DMs at Blunder Kitchen on Instagram. If you want a link to any of the research that we used for this episode, you can check out um, all of our research for this episode and past episodes at blunderkitchen.com. Likewise, all of the recipes listed are archived on blunderkitchen.com. Blunderkitchen.com is kind of our hub for everything. Um, so what else? Oh, yes. Thank you so much for your support and just listening, you're supporting. But if you want to help us even more, tell a friend, um, you know, recommend us or like, uh, rate and review, subscribe, you know, whatever is the best method, depending on the podcatcher that you're using to listen to the show. Um, or consider us by consider buying us a coffee um, on ko-fi.com slash blender kitchen that link is in our bio on instagram and uh, as well as on our website at blunderkitchen.com um you know again i do this because i love it and it's fantastic but every little bit counts and we're working on getting some sweet sweet merch into your hands um so you're wonderful kind donations would go to projects like that until next time stay frosty kitchen nerds